Now, for a little while today, I want to set and establish a little bit of a precedence for us here. I don't know what drew you to this house today. I don't know why you got up this morning and felt like that it was the right thing for you to come to First Assembly today, other than I believe that the Spirit of God drew you here. I believe that there was something that was an agitation in your life that compelled you to come to this house today. Now, many times you come, you come birth of need of a situation in your life. Some people come to church for help, right? They're going through a, di a difficult time in their life, and so they turn back to God. I encourage you, always turn to God. Come on, he's a gracious and loving father. He's, wake he's waiting to reconcile with you, amen? But at the same time, you say, well, now, pastor, preaching a message about a prophetic anointing, and I've even felt like I was distant away from God. I'm telling you what you need in your life is a prophetic anointing. That's what you need is the Spirit of God to rest upon you. And the Spirit of God rests upon you as he did with Saul. The Bible says he was changed and he was changed into another man. I'm telling you, God can lift and lay aside that heavy burden and put on you an empowerment for God's divine purpose. And as you learn what a prophetic anointing is and what its purpose is in your life, you're going to desire it. You're going to long for it. And when you gain it in your life, you want to keep it fresh and you want to keep it sharpened and you want to use it for the glory of God. I want to talk about it here for just a few moments today, and I want to make some clarification. What is the spirit of prophecy? And I want to distinguish prophesying from the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues for just a moment. Most of the time when you associate Pentecostalism, there's a mental association with Pentecostal churches such as the Assemblies of God or Charismatic churches with speaking in other tongues. And we gained our title of being Pentecostal from the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit that occurred on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in the book of Acts, the second chapter, where in that passage of Scripture you find that the Bible says that they spoke with other tongues. Fourth verse, Acts 2, uh, the Scripture says, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. But as you study the Scripture deeper, and you, that you begin to follow the work of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to understand that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is more than just speaking in other tongues. Speaking other tongues can be a doorway into deeper realms of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. If I can throw one small stone at Pentecostalism for many years, and that is we got caught up with a, such an emphasis on speaking other tongues that we failed to take people into the deeper realms of the Holy Spirit, especially as it relates to prophesying. You say, Pastor, why is that? Why would you put that emphasis on prophesying? Well, I'm putting an emphasis that Paul put on uh, prophesying if you read his epistles. Paul does not say desire to speak with other tongues. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't through the baptism in the Holy Spirit because we believe that's the initial evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But Paul does say desire that you prophesy. He does use this comparison, and I don't like to compare spiritual gifts in the body, and I know that Paul did not either. But he said, greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in other tongues, unless he speaks in other tongues, has an interpreter, or interprets himself for this singular purpose, and that is that the church might be edified. If you read 1 Corinthians 14 in depth, and I want to encourage you to do so, don't just come to an Assembly of God church or a Pentecostal church to get warm off of our fire. Come on, get the fire down in your own soul, right? And so don't just hang out here because somebody three rows down, uh, two seats up, prays in the Spirit, and you feel something. What's in them can be in you. 
right? If you'll long for it, if you'll desire it earnestly. Now, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, the Bible says, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. That's what the Scripture tells us. It says, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. But it says, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men, unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. So Paul creates a contrast. If you're praying in the Spirit, Paul plainly says your understanding is unfruitful. Now, it doesn't mean there's not an effective work of the Holy Spirit as you pray in the Spirit. You're praying the mysteries of God. That's a powerful thing. And as you pray in the Spirit, your own spirit is edified. That's what Paul said. But Paul said in the church, in a corporate setting, he said, I would rather speak five words in a known tongue that others may be edified than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue when people do not have the understanding. Because there's something powerful that can happen not only to you, but also through you. When you're yielded to the spirit of prophecy, you can speak unto someone else edification, exhortation, and comfort. And let me ask you this, who doesn't need that in their life? We live in a generation where people are negative and people are being torn down. You may have been raised in a home where all you heard was negative words and how no good you are. But I'm telling you, when you get an ear that's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I thought of this last week for just a moment. I remember, how, remember how I mentioned to you that the priest of old, he was anointed, he had his ear anointed. And I said that in, 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 in this context of making it applicable to us that maybe we need an anointed ear to, to be cleansed from all the filth that we used to listen to. Does anybody remember I kind of made that statement? And I don't know if that was the, it was the, the anti-type uh, fulfillment of that uh, particular passage. I don't necessarily know exactly of why the priest's ear was anointed, but I thought farther on that this week. And with that, I thought, how many people were raised in a home, perhaps even a broken home or a slightly abusive home, where they heard such disparaging remarks that belittled them, did not build them up as children. And then they arrive as an adult, and all they, you know, they're shallow. They're not complete. They're not they're not confident in who they are because they've heard all these negative, hateful words. Well, I came along to tell you today that if you'll get anointed, come on somebody, then you can be cleansed from all the filth that was put in you, that you heard when someone spoke it, and now you can hear what God is saying about you and what God is saying to you. And when God speaks to you, He'll speak edification. He'll speak an exhortation, and he'll speak comfort into your life. And it will lift you and build you up in faith and cause you to be the man or the woman that God's called you to be. Amen? Now, when we contrast prophesying and speaking in other tongues for just a moment, uh, just real quickly, it's certainly my belief that as you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you will have an initial encounter where you receive tongues as a, a prayer language, the initial physical evidence. But it shouldn't just be the end of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I also want to say this, even if you have not received the baptism, I can't say that you can't yet prophesy. I can't say that because if I put that type of uh, parameter around you, I believe I'm limiting God in your life. I'm, I'm, I'm preconceiving a notion that, that you're not going to be able to prophesy until you receive the baptism and speak with other tongues. I believe that every one of us ought to desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And every one of us ought to allow that river of living water to flow uh, forth freely out of our spirit. And even though we pray unto God and it's unfruitful to the natural mind. But I want to say this today. I want to encourage you. Be zealous of prophesying. 
It ought not be one without the other. But if you read the Scripture, many times it was both. Many times the baptism in the Holy Spirit was immediately followed by those that prophesied, and they declared openly the Spirit of God moving in their life. So let me, let me say, Pastor, I don't even know what prophesying is. Let me define it for you if I can just real quickly, because if you ever take the time to look these up in the original languages, I'm telling you, just the definition, uh, with that definition comes clarification. Now, remember this, the scriptures were, were, were written in at least two different languages. I believe it's three, but primarily Hebrew and primarily Greek. Old Testament, primarily Hebrew. New Testament, primarily Greek. And so you look up both words, prophesying. And when you, have, when you think of prophesying, most of you think of predictive prophesying. You think of predicting something in the future. Uh, something uh, that has taken uh, a prophecy that was such as, let me give you an example. Jesus was born of a virgin. Well, we know that Isaiah, 700 years earlier, had prophesied that a virgin shall be with child. Right? So we think of prophesying as predictive. And sometimes it is, but it's not always necessary to be predictive. It doesn't have to be prophesying natural disasters. It doesn't have to be prophesying uh, the future events of shakings of economic disorder in governments, those kind of things. It can be a simple prophetic word that just lifts the countenance of somebody around you. But it wasn't something that you had forethought of. But it was something that the Spirit of God did this. Listen, here's the number one definition for prophesying, to bubble forth. That's, that's the number one definition. When you look at that, that's the header right there. It bubbles forth. Where? Out of the Spirit of God who dwells on the inside of you. Why do people come from all over the state of Arkansas to go down to the Seven Springs right here in the center of town? It's because the water that's flowing out of the Seven Springs carries certain elements with it and minerals that they believe to be healthy. And they'll come with water jugs from afar to go down and fill a jug with sulfur water. Shatakaya Mosia right there. <laughs> or eye water or iron water because they believe the element that's in that water is healthy for their body. Let me tell you, there's a river of living water that's on the inside of you that when you learn to yield to God, it will bubble up outside of you Come on, and it will bring life-giving flow and life-giving elements to those that are around you. And it will strengthen their lives in the glory of God. And I encourage you to be zealous of prophesying. It means to pour forth abundantly, to speak with divine emotion, or to show or to declare. But listen to this. It also means to sing a holy song unto God. I mean, a spontaneous song of divine impulse to praise God. In the Greek, it means to prophesy with the idea of here's foretelling, future events. But it also means to utter forth. It means to declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. Let me give you an example of that in just a moment. But it also means this, to break forth. I love that. So think about to bubble forth or to bubble up. And now in the Greek, it means to break forth under a sudden impulse in lofty discourse or praise of the divine counsels. So I want you to try to put that in a, in a, in a, 
uh, actual firsthand account even in your own life? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were just thinking about the goodness of God and you were calm and you were just kind of just seating there? Maybe you were driving down the road. Maybe you were alone. Maybe you had just a little time of devotion and you were just, and all of a sudden something just began to bubble up on the inside of you and you just began to sing forth in a song unto God. You weren't thinking about it previously, but all of a sudden it just bubbled forth out of your spirit and you didn't know that what was happening is you were prophesying to the glory of God. You were singing praise and adoration, spontaneous adoration to the goodness and the glory of God. And it not only does it edify you, but it edifies all the listeners. You can sing off key. You, don't, you may not have the ability to carry a tune in a bucket, but if you have an unction of the Spirit of God and a song suddenly bursts forth out of your spirit, I'm telling you, it will silence the voice of the avenger, and it will put him silent, and it will allow the Word of God to flow freely right there in your own living room when that happens. I'm telling you, we need it all. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? All of us need to desire for the spirit of prophecy and a prophetic anointing. It can change the tenor of your home. It can change the hopes and the expectations that you have about your future. It can change the hopes and the expectations that you have about your family and your children. And so by the very nature of prophesying, it is inspired utterance. Can I ask you this question? How powerful is a word fitly spoken? How powerful in your life is it when somebody gives you a word at the right time? At the most downcast season in your life when you were disheartened and you were depressed and you almost gave up and somebody came along and God used them to bring you a prophetic word that lifted your countenance and said, don't give up, don't hang up your hands in unbelief, but listen, trust in the Lord. If God said it, he will bring it to pass. If God gave you the hope, if God gave you the dream, if God gave you the vision, then you got to wait on it. you got to trust that the God that spoke it is the God that's going to bring it to pass. And that comes... Through a prophetic anointing. Let me tell you a little bit about this. The reason why I believe that we ought to be zealous for it here today. That we ought to long for it today. Can I tell you why? Here's one of the promises in the word of God in the book of Joel. In the book of Joel, the original promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That we are zealous for, aren't we? That we're zealous for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And long for these things. He said this. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Let's go farther. On my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in the days of my spirit, and they shall, they shall prophesy. So let me say, now, Pastor, watch the importance of that passage of Scripture there, that in the last days, God said, I'll pour out of my spirit upon my handmaidens, upon my virgins, upon my young men, upon my manservants, and my maidservants. You have to contrast the original anointing oil that was recorded in the book of Exodus, where the Scripture says that you could not pour that on common flesh. You had to be a priest, you had to be a prophet, or you had to be a king. But God said, I'm going to bring the church into a new generation and a new dispensation when the Spirit of God is readily available to all God's children because we've all been sanctified by the redemptive work of Christ on the cross and now God can put His Spirit upon all flesh. 
Whether you're born in the Aaronic priesthood, whether you're born in the descendant of the king, or whether or not that your family has a family lineage, or preachers in front of you, it matters not. If you're ready and if you're willing and you seek for it before God, God said, I'll pour my spirit out upon you. Male or female, young or old, rich or poor, doesn't matter about your, uh, your economic status. All that is uh, doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. God just pours His Spirit out upon all of us. And I'm telling you, it brings a life-giving flow. One of the things I want to encourage you, when you learn to yield to the spirit of prophecy, one of the most powerful things that can happen is a song will bubble up. Now, Pastor, what do you mean a song will bubble up? Well, I'm talking about not just singing a song on the screen. Or in days gone by out of the handbook. I'm talking about a song born of the Holy Spirit at the right season in your life. The psalmist said it was a song in the night. It was a song that at that moment of time, God just bubbled something out of you. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. It says that we edify one another through spiritual songs and building ourselves up on our most holy faith as we sing songs of praise and adoration to God. Deep inside of you, deep inside of you, is a song of deliverance. It's a song of victory. Go back and read when the Spirit of God fell on people. Oftentimes it was in either anticipation of victory or it was as a result of a battle having now been won and it was a celebration of victory. Can you think about that for a moment of time? Remember what happened when the waters of the Red Sea closed? And when all of God's children had been brought out of Egypt and the waters had come back upon Pharaoh and the armies that had persecuted the Israelites for 400 years, having been slaves in the womb of Egypt for all those years, uh, having been uh, beaten and wounded and hurt and cut and, 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 and having their children cast into the Nile River fed to the crocodiles. Uh, but God, in one moment of time, swallowed up Pharaoh and all of his armies and separated Israel from Egypt at that moment you know what happened a spontaneous prayer service of praise began to erupt and the Bible says that Miriam grabbed a timbrel and she began to twirl and she began to dance and she celebrated that God had cast down Pharaoh horse and rider has he thrown into the sea and God had brought his children out see the reason why you sing a song when you're down disheartened is because you're loosing the spirit of God to move mightily on your behalf and if God could close the waters of the sea over the, the the enemies of Israel then what can he do oh I feel Jesus right there that's why you got to let it out you got to let it out let it out you got to learn to let it flow a prophetic word a prophetic song sing it out and sing it loud I remember years ago uh, Rita uh, you told me a story and this was a song that we used to sing quite a, a bit and, and it was Jesus come to my rescue y'all remember that sometimes that's the only prayer you can pray when you're in a difficult time sometimes you don't have time to pray that King James English prayer you just got to say God I just need your help I need you right now I remember Rita tell me a time there was something that had gone on with Carson there was something that was a very uh, dangerous moment and Rita said immediately something bubbled up out of her heart and she began to say Jesus come to my rescue see you didn't know that when you sang that song right there at your darkest hour and God showed up and turned the thing around it was created because of that song because that song was a prophetic declaration that if God be for you 
then who can be against you? I will lift up my eyes unto the hills uh, from whence my help cometh from. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro in all the earth, searching for those that he may find himself, that he may find and he might make them strong in the Lord. God is searching for you, and he wants to pour his spirit out on you today. He wants this river of living water to flow abundantly in your life. Glory to God. I thank God today for the power of the prophetic, don't you? When you study it out in the scriptures, you'll find it's a prophetic song of deliverance. It's a prophetic song oftentimes of direction and confirmation. I want to take a moment to talk to you about that. That's why we need it. Let me give you an example, two things before we close here today because I want to have time for prayer. Just a couple other things just really quickly. I want to... I'll show you about the confirmation of the will of God, but I also want to show the contrast of speaking in tongues versus prophesying. You'll have to read these others uh, in your own time. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul carefully defines the public use of tongues in the public uh, assembly versus the prophetic, the, 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 the spirit of prophecy. He says that tongues are a sign, not to the, uh, to the believer, but to the unbeliever. He says this in 1 Corinthians 14, I believe in verse number 22. It's a sign to the unbeliever. It's a sign that shows that, hey, wait a minute, God's there. something about it. It's a warning sign. It's an exhortation sign. But he said that prophesying serveth the believer. And so he said, if there come into your assembly those that are unlearned or are unbelievers, and all of you speak with other tongues, he said, will, will they not say that you are mad? Hello, are y'all with me? Now, what, what, now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a prophetic moment or you can't have a prayer time when people are all praying out loud uh, uh, to the Lord, but as they do so, they're simply, it's not requiring an interpretation because it's not a word given to the church. But at the same time, he said, if there's somebody comes in and everybody just individually is coming up and just randomly speaking with other tongues, he'll say, I'm not for sure this is the church for me. That's what he said. He said, they're going to say you're mad. He said, but if he comes in and all of you got the gift of prophecy functioning in your life, he said that he's going to discern something. But it says he's going to be convinced of all. What's that mean? It's going to be reproved and he's going to be convicted of his sins. So when the prophetic is among us, what happens? The Spirit of God is able to convict even the unbeliever among us. And to listen to this, he will fall down on his face and this is what it is, because the secrets of his heart are revealed. What does that mean? That means that somebody prophesied and the gift of the word of knowledge traveled in the vehicle of prophesying and they spoke a word to that young man that they would not have known in the natural. But they spoke it to him prophetically and when they did, that brother said, my God, God does know me. And they falls down. I've told you this example before. I'll use it just real quickly. I do remember Charles Thompson, 10 evangelist years ago. This story was told of, of, of ministry at his, uh, in his, at his 10. He was praying for a, a woman who came forth. And as he was praying for her, he said, he, 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 he looked at her. He took a step back and he said, I'm sorry, sister. But he said, I'm sorry, but I, when I see you, he said, I don't see anything but chickens. And I've told you that before. When he said the word chickens, she began to cry. Because she then later confessed that her parents used to abuse her, that when she was disobedient, they would lock her in the chicken house. 
but a prophetic word set her free. Come on, somebody. God said, be desirous of the spirit of prophesying. We need to long for these things, right? Now, let me, let me share this before I close here. Two things just real quickly. Did you know I'm the pastor? I've told you this before, but I'm going to be a little bit more uh, demonstrative here today. I'm the pastor of this assembly because of a prophetic word that was spoken over my life many long years ago. And uh, something that, you know, Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 1 and 18, My son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before concerning thee, that by thee thou mightest wage a good warfare. So what he said was, Timothy, something was spoken over your life, don't forget it. When somebody speaks something over your life, you don't forget it. When you know it's of the spirit of prophecy. Right? Are y'all with me out there? And I remember, and I've told you this before, but it's good for you to hear it again when I was 17. This helps me when I get down every now and then. I don't have many down days. But every now and then, I get a little bit down, disheartened. But every now and then, God reminds me. I was a young man at 17, and that's when I just received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And three times in the course of three months, God confirmed the ministry call publicly in a church like this or another church by pastors or preachers or evangelists that did not know me and confessed and spoke a word, and I didn't forget those. I was invited by Brother Ray Cawthorn to go out to Cooterneck. Does anybody know where that is? Some of you do. Larry and, Karen, uh, uh, and Shannon live right down uh, past it. There's a lot of Larrys here, so I got a Larry and Karen, a Larry and Shannon, a Larry and Allison, but Larry and Shannon live right down past the Cooterneck, and there's a Cooterneck church. They live on Cooterneck. What am I saying? Shatakai, I'm going to see you. Cooterneck, and there was a, there's a church there. They're still there now, and there was a, a preacher there. His, I can't remember his last name. His name was Tim. He was an evangelist. He was a young man, and uh, I was invited to go to that service. Now, that's as country of a church setting as you can have. If you ever had images of, where, of snake handling, that's, it's probably like that. That's what it would look like. It's, there's no screens on the window. It's a hot summer. There's no air conditioning. There's just a fan. And this preacher is an evangelist, and he's a tennis shoe-wearing preacher. Now, in today's time, that's nothing. But in the mid-'80s, he had gone from being barefoot to wearing tennis shoes. He used to preach barefoot, but now he's in tennis shoes. But so we walk in, and he's got the big loudspeaker set up, have the little time of worship, and he begins to preach. He's got, these aren't like Nikes or Adidas. These are like Walmart specials on. And, and so, but when he starts to preach, the reason I turn like this, he didn't stand behind the, the, the podium and communicate or preach anything like that. The moment he started preaching, he grabbed that microphone and he dropped his head and he went like this. And back and forth he would go. And every few words he would say, ha, just like that. And he would preach. But he had a true anointing on his life. And he spoke words and he had depth to him. He wasn't just preaching up there just in the shallow end of the pool. There was depth, but he had a mode and a mechanism to preach it. And he would preach all the way across like this and he would say how and he would go back and forth and he would preach and and then in the middle of his preaching he came down from where he was preaching and he walked right up the middle aisle like this right here and he came right where I was sitting and I'd never been there before and he put his hand on me and he prophesied over me I'm 17 years old and he said God's going to use you to stir this area up with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ now I'm not saying that to say anything about me I'm saying that because I didn't forget it Sometimes people forget what God spoke. If it's a prophetic word, don't forget it. Hang on to it. Believe God. Trust in it. God will bring it to pass. Don't give up on it. 
I believe that God's got more in store for this assembly than what you see here today. There's more for our future, and God's going to use us to stir this area up with the good news of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In closing here today, let me say this. I want to say this. We read a passage out of Luke's gospel, and I want to bring a little bit of clarity today. I don't know what time it is, but it's all right. We don't have an evening service, so I'm going to press on. You hope the Super Bowl goes into overtime, so so am I. Let me share with you just here real quickly about this passage of Scripture. It says that in the year, uh, the 15th year, Tiberius Caesar, it's the emperor of Rome. And then there's the listing of three of King Herod's sons who are now tetrarchs of the area of Judea that once Herod was the sole king over, but following his death, Rome did not believe that his sons were worthy to be declared a king, so they were broken down to provinces, and they're called tetrarchs, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. The Bible also says that Pontius Pilate, a familiar biblical character, is governor of Judea. And then it also says Annas and Caiaphas are the high priest. Dr. Brassfield noted for us on Wednesday night that the high priest in those days was not of the lineage of Aaron, that it had been sold to the highest bidder. Thus, the priesthood was polluted. And so, but it says this. So let's just go back. In the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate is the governor of Judea. Three kings of Herod are the tetrarchs of the provinces of, Ju- uh, of Judea, including Galilee uh, and those areas north of, uh, of Galilee. But the scripture says this, with Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, but the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And the reason why that's such an important scripture for us today when I'm speaking about a prophetic anointing, you have to go back to see how this came about to understand it more carefully. And then you can understand the depth of how it's written there by the author Luke. And I love it and I thank God for it today. And it encourages me and it ought to encourage you. It's the power of a prophetic unction. And a parent ought to long for it above all else. Parents, you ought to have a power of a prophetic unction in your life. The Bible says that Zechariah was a priest. He was of the order. He and his wife Elizabeth were the that were married for many years. They were both direct descendants of Aaron. The scripture tells us in Luke's gospel that it was time for the aged priest Zechariah to burn incense. It was his lot. That means it was his turn. They had more priests than what they needed per se daily. So it was your lot. It means you came periodically to do your service. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are, are barren. There is no child. They're now aged. They're past the natural childbearing. There's no expectation. The scripture says that the family had gathered because it was great honor to be able to go into the holy place where the presence of God abode, not the most holy place. And if you don't know anything about the tabernacle or the temple, I know you don't know what I'm talking about. But inside the holy place in the temple in Jerusalem would have been the golden altar, would have been the, uh, the, 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 the altar of incense, this is what I just mentioned, and the, uh, the table of shoe bread, and uh, the, the, what's the other one that I mentioned? And the lampstand inside the all inside there. And it was the privilege to, to burn incense in there of the priest. And he goes in there in the process of doing his duty. All of a sudden he looks and in the corner is the brilliance of an angel of God. And the angel of God says, fear not. I tell you, it takes an angel to say fear not. Because when somebody's where you don't think they're going to be. And with that type of presence, it literally scared him almost to death. And God spoke a comforting word and said, fear not. And here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, your prayer is heard, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son. 
Just put that in an equation. That prayer was offered 30 years ago when he's still a young man and when Elizabeth was still a young woman. But now they're both aged. He hasn't prayed that prayer in a long time. That's why I came along with a prophetic word for you today to say don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. God hears it. God writes it down. We give up. God doesn't give up. And so the scripture says then that he said that your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son. And he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And he's going to be a prophet of the highest. And he's going to go in front of the chosen one of God. And when Zechariah heard it, unfortunately, he stumbled in unbelief. He said, how can this be? I'm aged. My wife Elizabeth is aged. And so the angel Gabriel reproved him by muting his tongue. And so he was not able, he, when he went out of the holy place, he could not describe the experience that he had inside the holy place. And he couldn't share with anything, anybody what God had promised him in the holy place. The Bible says, just a short while thereafter, that Elizabeth is now pregnant. You know I preach that many times. i got to leave that alone for today. And so then the Bible also, that same narrative, that's at the same time that Mary, that same angel comes to Mary. Are you all with me here today? I just feel Jesus in this. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about what time. If you've got to take medicine or leave, I'll just have to let you go. But let me finish this today. And so this is that same passage. Elizabeth is now six months into her pregnancy. Mary's now pregnant. And she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth because the angel told her about it when he promised that she was going to bear a child and that this child was going to be a Emmanuel, God with us. So she goes to the hill country of Judea where she goes in. She knocks on the door of Elizabeth's house. Legend says that Elizabeth is now six months pregnant, but she's never felt the babe leap in her womb. And so when Mary's outside and knocking on the door, Mary says, Cousin Elizabeth, Cousin Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the voice of salutation in her ears, that the Spirit of God fell on Elizabeth and the babe leaped in her womb and John her unborn son is filled with the Holy Ghost and Elizabeth with a loud voice I love that with a loud voice begins to give God glory it was a prophetic moment it was a prophetic moment and she begins to prophesy and it, uh, Mary begins to prophesy and so these women encourage one another even in their pregnancy about their children who are yet unborn by the prophetic word that shaped their destinies. Some of you ladies that are pregnant here today, I'm telling you, put your hands on your bellies and rock those, be those, those babies in your womb and prophesy to the glory of God over them. I can remember seeing Sister Sherry rocking those babies unborn in her womb with her hands laid on her belly. And we spoke the power of the word of God over them. Don't give up on your children. I came along with a prophetic word for somebody that said, don't give up. Trust in God. If you spoke a prophetic word, God's watching over that word. Don't give up. Give God time. So the scripture says that it came time. Elizabeth bore a son, all rejoiced. Everybody's happy the aged wife of the priest has now had a child. It came time to name the child. And so they said, well, he looks like his dad, Zacharias. So let's name him Zacharias. And so Zacharias is over there, mm -mm, mm -mm, his tongue is muted. Mm -mm. And Elizabeth said, no, we're going to call him John in the English, Johannan in the Hebrew. So that's what they would have said, his name is Johannan. And so uh, they're like, there's nobody in your family named that, named John. Well, let's, let's go ask Zacharias. You know Zacharias wants his only son named after him. 
And so he motioned with his hand to bring him a marker board. And so they brought him some type of slate marker board. And there he began to X out, I'm sure, in the Hebrew language. His name shall be Yohanan. For us, his name shall be John. And when he made that last stroke of the last letter of his name, his tongue was loosed. And he began to prophesy of the Spirit of God. And he began to worship God and declare instantaneous praise unto God. And then at that moment, he began to speak over his son. I can just imagine Zacharias, whose tongue's been muted for nine plus months, walking through his house, looking over his little boy. And now he's speaking by a prophetic word. You're going to be strong in the Lord. You're going to be faithful to God. You're going to go in front of the face of the Messiah. God's going to raise you up. You're going to be a voice of a prophet that's going to bring revival to the nation of Israel. An aged man, a priest, anointed that's speaking a prophetic word for nobody else to hear but his little boy. Thank God for a prophetic word. You say, Pastor, why did you read in Luke's gospel? Why is that so important? 30 years have now passed. 30 years have passed. Zacharias is dead. Elizabeth is dead. Historians tell us that it's possible that John was an Essene. That's the case. That's a sect in Israel that considered the temple polluted. And thus he chose to not worship God through the temple sacrifices. He wasn't necessarily a zealot. He wasn't violent. He didn't practice warfare. Little pocket warfare that was happening in Israel to rid Israel of Roman occupation as others did. But if that's the case, that he's living a very strict lifestyle with water immersion, as we know, out in the wilderness. And at that time, this is why you read this. And you see it through the right lens. The Bible tells us that the Roman emperor is Tiberius. The Bible tells us the sons of Herod are placed as tetrarchs all throughout the area over three regions. The Bible tells us that Pontius Pilate is the governor. But the Bible also says that Annas and Caiaphas are the high priest in the temple. But the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. What word are you talking about, Pastor Brown? I'm talking about the word that is aged daddy prophesied over his life because his dad heard the voice of God in the holy place and he spoke the word of God in the public place and when he spoke the word in the public place then that was launched into an eternal space where it circled the earth for 30 years until he found its resting place 30 years later and John got up in the midst of the Essenes and he began to speak the word of almighty God Church family, we got to have it. We can't just have church as usual. We can't just be coming here and be a carbon copy of another church. we got to be a prophetic people. I don't know about you, but I want that prophetic unction in my life. I want to be out of God. Let me be able to bring a word over my family. Let me bring a word when I need it. You need it in your life. You need it in your life. Y'all, Aaron, join me on the platform. Y'all stand up with me today if you would. A prophetic anointed. Come on, somebody, a prophetic anointed. Would y'all say that with me? Just give me a minute.